Jason, can you open us with a prayer? Um, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for <coughs> dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for um giving us your word and help letting us be able to to be able to learn it. May you give us the wisdom uh, to understand your truth and to be able to meditate upon it later. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Amen. Alright, now uh, so children we shall start together uh with John chapter seven, this is one to thirteen, and then we're going to zoom in to look at verses two and three today. Let's read together. John chapter seven, verses one to thirteen. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Live here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about it that his works are evil. You go up to the feast, I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brother had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, No, he is leading the people astray. Yet for the fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Uh, today we're going to look at verses 3 to 5 uh, together. And then we're going to see a bit of how Jesus' brothers reacted. And see how Jesus himself replied uh, tomorrow. Uh, sorry, next week. Maybe together, John chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea. Their disciples, may, may, uh, their disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believe in him. So first of all, before we start, we see here that some of Jesus' followers was questioning him in some ways, was asking more uh, curious in, in certain ways. And this group of people here are Jesus' brothers, his brothers. Now, who are his brothers? Some of us uh, would suggest that his brother was referring to what we see here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. It says here, um, is not this carpenter's uh, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Now some have suggest just suggested a cause that these brothers was referring to the group of people here. But others have said differently. Because if we were to look into the Jewish context itself, when they use the term brother, it's very similar to how we as Chinese use this term. And we will call our cousins brothers. We'll call our different cousins from uh who are whose parents are siblings. They call them brothers also. But nonetheless, we realize that they are uh, are very close to Christ, relatives of Christ. Now uh, before I forget, in fact, the Catholic Church themselves actually take issue about this verse itself. They suggest that brothers might not be referring to close relatives of Jesus, but in fact, brothers as in like how we ourselves call brothers and sisters. 
simply because they believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary, which means that basically Mary had no other sons besides Jesus. And so that was their teaching. And so they justify it, they try to justify this verse with that form of understanding. But for us as Christians, as Protestants, we recognize that Mary had other children with Joseph. And so there is that uh there is that relationship there with Jesus and his, and his brother, brothers. But nonetheless, as you said before, there are people who are close to Jesus. And so what they suggest, they suggest to live here, leave Galilee and go to Judea that the disciples of his may also see the works that he is doing. Now, first of all, we notice here in this very statement, their ambitions and their vain glory. First of all, they command Christ to do certain things, to go which, to go to a place which they wanted Christ to go. They choose a place which they want Christ to go to provide for the people. You see, two reasons for this advice of them most likely have occurred. First of all, this there are disciples that uh, there are disciples there in Judea that was expecting the kingdom of God, the temporal kingdom of God. That Christ is to rule there, and so these brothers of Jesus might have understand that that they want to crown Christ. They want to crown Christ like crown to crown a few men. There are people around around Jerusalem and in Jerusalem that were seeking for that. And what is the time now? It is the time of the Feast of Booths, the best opportunity to proclaim Christ to those who have been waiting, to proclaim Christ to those who are seeking this King. It suggests that it was a waste for Christ to stay in Galilee, where it would be better for him to have entered into Jerusalem. Now, this is rather interesting. We see in verse 1 already that the Jews are seeking to kill him. And so the Jew, the disciples, the brothers of Jesus themselves still suggested Christ to go to where it dangerous lies, where this might be dangerous for Christ. But yet they suggested that they wish for Christ to go there and preach. Now we might not know the reasons, but in fact we will look at uh, some of the reasons why they might have done so. But yet they wanted to do the things in their own way. They wanted to hold the power, hold the decision making. Now, often of times, we do similar things. We expect Christ to work in a certain way that goes in accordance to our own understanding, to our own desires. Where we think that preaching in a large crowd is better for Christ than to preach to individual small crowds. Because in comparison, Galilee is a very small town compared to the great Judea, the great Jerusalem itself. Now, the next thing that we see here, for no one works in secret, if he seeks to be known openly, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. You will have been a good chance for the advancement of his kingdom and for his honor. It will be a good chance to, to advance his message, the gospel that he is preaching to this group of people during this feast. Many people will be there. And if Jesus was to just do a simple, small miracle in this large crowd, people will see it and people will believe it. Oh, it's rather interesting because this very incident happened previously when we look at John chapter 6. This a very similar incident has happened already. Jesus did a miracle with a large crowd of people, healing the healing the cripple in the at the bath itself, the pool itself. 
did the this, did the brothers of Jesus know this? Did the were the brothers of Jesus there to see this thing, to see this act? But nonetheless, their intention is there. They want Christ to proclaim himself. It was absurd for Christ to be to not be performing his miracles. If Christ would have done so, he would have gained the applause of people watching. Many people will come to Christ. You see, many of us come with this kind of intention. Also, many self-proclaimed Christians come with this kind of understanding and this kind of uh, expectation. If I can do a miracle in front of people, that proves Christ exists. The existence of Christ is so plain and so simple. As long as I can do one miracle, just one great miracle, everyone will come and believe. In fact, so much so that certain people challenge us Christians to show miracles, to prove that God exists, to prove that Christ exists. But yet, do we recognize that in scriptures over and over again, when Christ do, does a miracle on someone to heal someone, Christ tells him to keep it to himself. A majority of the time, Christ was telling him to keep it to himself. Don't go out there and tell other people. Keep it to yourself. Believe in Christ, but keep it to yourself. Nowhere in the scriptures talk so much about Christ wanting people to go out on the streets, stand in the middle of the streets, and proclaim healing onto people. But yet, that's what many Christians do today. If you were to go to Orchard Road, if I'm not wrong, on weekends, you will see a group of Christians from a very big local church standing down there, offering healing prayers to certain people. They'll see you down and they'll pray for you and heal you and sick and be eating. They do this in a crowded area. Isn't that what Jesus' brother wanted Jesus to do? But yet, many of us Christians are doing the very same thing that Jesus' brothers here wanted Jesus to do. We are doing it also. Christians love to do this, to show off what Christ has granted to us, to show off what Christ has done in our own life to act upon and act even just to prove that God exists through miracles as though it is worth something. But when we read later on in verse 5, Jesus charged this group of people, these brothers of his, for not even his brother believed in him. These people who wanted to see these miracles happen, to see this, group, this word being preached out loud in the middle of the streets, they want to see all these works being done. Jesus says, he says here that they are not even believers. They don't even believe in Christ himself. They, be, they think that they believe, but it's just not. They all do all these things in vain. Are they ambitious? Yes. But is their ambitions placed in the wrong area? They, they wanted to do these things for the wrong purpose. In fact, one of the things, one of the reasons why his brother might have suggested this is so that this through this work that Jesus has done, through this work of miracles that Jesus would be doing if he were to go to the feast of booths, that the brothers might believe. That this group of so-called self-proclaimed Christians might believe. That through looking at this miracle, they themselves might feed their own faith in some ways. Shape their faith in some ways. Seems rather interesting, doesn't it? Now why is this here? What might be the reasons why his brothers did not believe or do did all these things? Now, one of the reasons, as I mentioned before, they themselves wanted to see Christ work, so that they themselves may believe. That is one of the possibilities. Now, there are other possibilities. 
uh, and the other reasons that this story is included here. So I'm just going to run through a few of them. Uh, we can take a take a bit uh, of a look at it now. First of all, uh, we learn for something here. We learn something from here. Sorry, we learn that it's an honor to be a relative of Christ. Right, as I mentioned before, this brothers here most likely refers to a group of people that are close to Christ, relatives of Christ. It's a great honor for them. Of course, it's a great honor to be a relative of the Son of God, the Son of Man. But this honor itself is not a saving honor. Recognize that Jesus' brothers, even Mary and Joseph themselves, did not receive faith because Christ was their son. Because Christ is Mary's son, that they it wasn't because that Joseph brought him, brought Christ up. They themselves had to individually come to faith. In fact, we see here, the brothers themselves at a very point of time did not even believe. They did not even have faith in Christ Jesus himself. It is one thing to be a relative of Christ, and yet it is another to receive saving faith from God himself. And that is the first thing that we know. It's not through any form of lineage, it's not through any form of relationship that people are saved. But yet, of course, certain people do suggest that if you were to marry a Christian and if you were to be born into a Christian family, you are automatically saved. I will not dwell too much into that, but yes, I can tell you that there are such believers out there. But if Christ's closest realities are not saved in their relationship to Christ, what more than me or me? That's the question that I have to pose. Now, another thing that we see here is that Christ did not aim for secular interests that they might that they themselves might have understood that the that the saints are that the brothers of themselves might have understood christ wasn't here to prove a point christ isn't here to prove to show a great miracle and great work to the world to be crowned in a way the praises that christ wants is not how we praise a king, a magician, a miracle worker is not how we clap, cheer them on. No, the praise that God is seeking, that Christ is seeking, is more of a reverent fear. It's a very different form of cheering, and a very form, different form of applause that God seeks from us, that Christ himself seeks from us. He does not wish for these things to be made openly. In fact, he even commands Christians not to do many things openly, our own prayer, our own devotion. Certain things Christ wants us to do in secret. That ultimately all these things that we do is not for show, but it is to honor God. Do we recognize that? Why is Christ asking us to do these things secretly, in, in, in silence, that we don't need to do all these things? Because ultimately we are not trying to honor men, but we are trying to honor God. This is not entertainment for human beings, but this is a recognition of the work of God, of Christ himself. What was wrong with their advice? What was wrong with their brother's advice? You see, first very obvious point. The brothers presupposed that Christ did not know what he was doing. And they had to guide him, and to guide Christ. In fact, they don't even believe in him. If Christ cannot even guide himself, how can Christ guide them? This group of brothers think that they know better than Christ. They see that Galilee is such a small place, such a pathetic place, but if Christ were to go to Judea, go to Jerusalem, a great city, and preach, many people will hear it. Yeah, in a similar manner, we do that sometimes, you know. We think that, oh, preaching to a bigger crowd is much better than preaching 
to a single person, of telling the gospel to a single person. A lot of Christians out there have this ambition to be a great evangelist like Billy Graham out there on this uh, out there on the stage preaching to billions of people. Yet they forsake to preach the gospel to each individual. They think that they know better than God. They think that God purposes things in according to their own will and their own desires. They wish to do things in their own ways. So that's number one. The first reasons why it is wrong for advising them, for advising Christ, from them advising Christ. They think Christ does not know any better. In some ways, in a similar manner, we do too. Think that we know better than God. We think that we can do things differently. You know, instead of preaching the gospel, we've come out with so many other fascinating styles of bringing people to church, of attracting people to church. But yet, we don't preach the gospel to them. It's very sad. We think that God's way of preaching is bad. In fact, so much so that often of times when Christians look at us more of a traditional style, and then they will look at us and they will say, Are you a Bible believer? Are you more of like this kind of biblical Christian? In fact, I have heard of so many stories when someone comes up to my friend and says, Are you a more biblical Christian, those that focus on the Bible or not? The natural instinct should be look at them and be like, Do you not read your Bible? Are you not a Christian then? Oh, no, 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 I am a Christian, but I focus more on worshipping God. I focus more on enjoying God, more on the feeling of God. I don't read my Bible as much, but I worship God. Do you truly worship God? It's the same thing that is happening here. We say we worship God, we say we praise God, but yet we do not know it. We think what we are doing right now is better than what God commands us to do, what Christ has commanded us to do. But that's the first thing we see here. Now, they undermine the next thing that they did was that they undermine Christ's safety. You see, most likely they have known that the Jews are seeking to kill him, but yet they still suggest Jesus to go to Judea. Now, of course, some might, might suspect that they wanted Jesus to die. Maybe they were part of the spies for Jews. There are there is a possibility right there. But nonetheless, they didn't care about the safety of Christ. I'm so concerned about the gospel message that they were not afraid to harm Christ's name in the process of it. Same way we can do that. So we break Christ's names by preaching wrongly, falsely, by preaching things that are not in the scriptures but in our own imaginations. We do not care to portray Christ in proper light. We do not care for the safety of Christ in that sense. Now, the next thing. Uh, some may say that they might hope that the Pharisees would so-called would, would be able to find that uh, the cheats of Christ so as to justify their unbelief. Right, we already have explained when we look at verse 5 that this group of brothers of Jesus that he himself did not believe in Christ already. And the best way to justify their unbelief is to find a great preacher out there, a great preacher, a great religious leader the Pharisees, those people in the Sanhedrin, they can tell me whether Christ is real or not. They can look through Christ's little cheats, Christ's little magic, uh, magic, whatever thing he's doing, and tell us that Christ is fake. We can justify our faith on mere men. That is what most people are doing today too. 
to justify their faith with their great understanding in science, in math, in everything around in this world. They follow men and they do not follow God. They think that by believing in what man has spoken, what man has proven in some ways, justifies their unbelief in Christ. It's scary, but yet it's true. Next thing is that they were more they were weary of the company in Galilee. Sometimes they feel that it is right for them to take away this gospel opportunity from the Galileans and give to the Jews. Sometimes they might think the Jews, the Israelites, are the chosen people. The Jews themselves are the chosen people of God. And this gospel message does not belong to Galileans, it does not belong to anyone besides Jews, especially those living in Jerusalem. Those are the remnants that God has promised. And they do not they want to behold this gospel to the Galileans. Similarly, we can do that too. We can reserve this gospel for a very specific group of people and do not and stop sharing this gospel to others. Now this group can be on race, on the basis of race, on the basis of our own friends, that we only preach to our friends and no one else. It can be on many bases. Now, how often of times have we neglected to preach this gospel to other people? Is a question that we may think about more. Now, the next thing is that they most likely have questioned the truth of the miracles. As mentioned before, they wanted, they wanted to go and ask the Pharisees. They might have wanted to go and seek a sign, uh, uh, understanding from the Pharisees that whatever Jesus is doing was fake, was a phony, was a liar. But maybe he wanted to bring Jesus to a big crowd. Maybe someone in the crowd could explain the miracles that he was doing. And once again, ultimately, it is to justify their undoing. Now, of course, the last one is a very self-sustaining reason. It's a very self-indulgent issue. They, they wanted to prove to themselves what Christ is capable of working. They, they need to see and to believe. Something that you hear all the time in this world. To see it, to believe in it. This is a sad truth for us human beings. All these reasons that have listed here for why this advice from the brother might be wrong can apply to us also. So it's, um, it's a good time for us to go back and really reflect upon ourselves. Are we like these brothers here? This group of brothers here? That in our unbelief, we point Christ here and there. We work God's work in our own manner, in our own fashion, our own understanding. Something for us to go back and reflect about more. Who is Christ to us truly? In this case, is he just really just a brother to us? Or is he someone greater? Do we listen to Christ? Because most of, more often than not, when we treat our own brothers and sisters, we treat them as advice, as saying. And so we bring across to Christ, Christ is my brother, we shall treat him. And we say a little pinch of salt. But we also recognize that he's God, that he created this universe. Think about it. Our end us off here today. Let me close us in prayer before we end the session of today. Let me pray. Uh, gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for granting us this opportunity, Lord, to once again look through the book of John. And may you continue to grant us the Holy Spirit to illuminate us the truth of the scriptures, Lord. Teach us to understand, teach us the failures of the brothers of Jesus in this story, Lord. To learn from it and to see that in some ways, Lord, we ourselves, in our own unbelief, have failed you. We have tried to use you uh, use, uh, and to, uh, to use you and to 
think to do works in ways that you think are better for the kingdom of God. And we glad to truly understand you, to truly understand your will and your purpose for us. Oh Lord, may you continue to help us, Lord. Thank you, uh, Father, for giving us your son, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross for our sins and for our sins, Lord. That all this unbelief are forgiven on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Father, for this time and this opportunity together tonight to read through your word. May you continue to watch over us and guide us. Thank you, Father, and pray us in Jesus' name. Amen.